Are you already recording? Yeah, I don't want to forget when she starts talking. Are you going to ask her if you can record her classes? I hear Dr. Earls has weird roles in this class. Really? I've recorded in all the other classes I've taken with her. I'm sure it won't be a problem. Will you put them in a OneDrive folder and share with me? It'd be nice to have them to listen to before tests. Uh, me too. Yes, please. Sure. What do you guys know about this class? The seniors who took it last year said it Good was. evening! How's your holiday break, Dr. Earls? Mine? Uh, too short, too long. <laughs> what about what about you? Did you do anything fun? Not much. We visited my grandparents in Pittsburgh, but mostly just stayed home watching Disney+. Plus. That actually sounds like a dream vacation to me. Uh, oh, by the way, Alex, can we meet on Tuesday next week to talk about history club events for the semester? Yep, I'm free after 12. Perfect. Uh, 12 p.m. in my office. If I'm not there, just have Jen Verga let you in. All right, folks, uh, it's 5.30, so let's get started. Welcome to History 399, Window on History. If you thought that this would be a history of architecture class, uh, bad news, it really is not. Um, this is not a typical history course. In fact, before we even look at the syllabus, I need you all to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Did you know about this? I've heard rumors, but no. I didn't realize there'd be an NDA. I mean, I guess that's kind of the point of an NDA. I guess. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, that's why we're doing this on day one instead of the syllabus. The NDA is required if you want to take this course. What this entails, uh, what this course entails is pretty niche. It's, it's something you're not going to get anywhere else. But it's also proprietary. So I'd love you all to stay and join me on the adventure, but it's up to you. What's a non-disclosure agreement? It's effectively a legally binding contract that says you agree not to discuss anything that we do or that you see in this class with anyone who is not in this class. Failure to comply with the NDA would mean pretty serious legal consequences. Uh, because of the nature of the material that you will encounter in this class, it's imperative that you take this decision seriously. I am not going to give you a syllabus today. Uh, instead, you can each take a copy of the NDA to read at home. And those of you who come to class on Thursday will need to turn in the signed form in order to get a copy of the syllabus and stay in class. For those of you who need a history class and don't want to sign the NDA, please come see me tomorrow during my office hours, and I will help you get into one of the other class one of the other classes available at this time. I, uh, I think Dr. Scarf has a couple of seats available in his online section of Colonial America, and I definitely know Dr. Mazak has a few seats available um, in his History of the American West. Um, okay, so here are the forms, and that's, uh, that's all I have for today. This is weird. Yeah, but how could you leave now? Are you staying? Probably. Definitely. I mean, I should probably read that NDA, but probably. I wonder what it is. What's the secret? Research for her book, maybe? I hear historians can be really competitive when they're working on something no one else works on. They don't want to get scooped. Who knows? She's always doing things a little differently in her classes, which is usually why I take them. This seems particularly weird, though. Whoop! I'm still recording. Want to go get dinner?
Do you think you should be recording with the NDA in effect? I talked to Dr. Earls yesterday when I brought her my NDA. She said as long as I don't upload them to my computer or any cloud devices and don't share them with anyone, then I can record class, period. She said it might actually come in handy All when right, we... my intrepid young historians. Let's collect those NDAs. Okay, let's see here. So that's 17, and we have 3, 6, 9, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 people here. Perfect. Okay, wonderful. At last, we can have a syllabus day. Uh, like I said on Tuesday, this class is not going to be like other history classes you've taken. There are a couple of reasons for that, particularly this right here. What is that, Dr. Earls? All in good time, Abby. I promise we'll talk about the equipment in a bit, but first we need to get on the same page. How do historians piece together stories of the past? Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> Some, so though historians do sometimes contribute to the sources, sure, yeah. From primary sources? Yes, yes, Jacqueline, wonderful. Uh, and what are primary sources? First-hand accounts. Great, uh, and what are examples of first-hand accounts? Uh, uh, newspaper articles. Archaeological evidence. Ah, good. Uh, Bill, Jacqueline, yes, hold on. Let me write these on the board. Um, okay, uh, keep going. Diaries or journals? Poems, movies, novels, like artistic artifacts? Government reports? Yes, yes, yes all those things. Uh, what else, Beata? Like interviews with people. Oral history interviews. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Thank you, Jacqueline and Beata. This, this is a great list. Um, so, and you're hitting the nail on the head with this, right? First-hand accounts come in many forms. They can be written. They can be recorded, interpreted in art. Uh, and and what are some challenges that historians face when we're working with these records? Well, in the case of an oral history interview, that's going to be a record of someone's memory. And people don't always remember things perfectly. Good, Abby. Uh, Alex, what did you want to add? Even when it isn't someone's memory at work, there are still potential problems in all primary sources. You have to think about intention, audience, political and social factors that shape the creation of a particular artifact. If it's a diary, you have to think, well, is this person writing this for themselves? Or are they recording their daily thoughts because they plan to have this published after they die? or in a newspaper article, what is being reported on and what is being left out. These are questions historians have to ask of their primary sources. Yes, thank you, Alex. All primary sources are shaped by the biases and background of those who created them. Historians, then, we have to be cognizant of, of that when we're piecing together the stories of the past. Now, in this class, we will investigate histories of the Erie region and of Mercyhurst. We will use some traditional primary sources, like newspapers and police reports, but we will also be able to get a unique 
glimpse on, of the past that m most historians can only dream of. And that's thanks to this machine right here. So now are you going to tell us what that is? I'll do you one better, Bill. I will show you. What is that? A mobile projector? Not quite. What do you see? It looks like a video of the back of Old Main of the chapel. It does look like that. And there are young women in white dresses walking toward a hole in the middle of campus? One might even assume that they are students since they're on the Mercyhurst campus. But it seems weird, Dr. Earls. How so, Abby? Well, first of all, the vantage point is weird. It looks like the view you'd see from here, but if that was the case, the walls of Hurt would be obstructing our view. Unless? Unless if you had, like, an x-ray machine that could see through walls. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe if Hurt wasn't there when the video was taken. Good. Uh, so does anyone know when Hurt was built? I think in, like, the early 2000s. Yes, Jacqueline, 2002 to be exact. So we know then that this took place before 2002. This looks like the picture of the old May Day celebrations we used to have on campus. It does indeed, Alex, because it is a view of one of the Mercyhurst May Day celebrations. It's the 1952 celebration to be precise. I've worked in the archives for the last two years, Dr. Earls. I've never seen any video footage of a May Day celebration before 1960. That's because this isn't video footage, Jacqueline. This is a time window. What do you mean? This is why you've signed the NDA. And now this is going to sound bonkers, but bear with me. What you're looking at isn't video footage. It's real time. On the other side of this window, it is May 1st, 1952. A window? That machine you mean? Yeah, yeah, the machine. The time window. Still not following, Dr. Olds. Are you saying this is a time machine? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not precisely, but Sure, yes. Uh, it, it is a machine that can see through time. Where is the projection coming from? I know! 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 Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! I'm not kidding. This sounds crazy, but it's, it's real. You're looking at me like I have three heads. I know this, this is not what you expected, but let me explain. So, if this is a time machine, and I'm not saying I believe it's a time machine, and I promise that when you say you're joking, I will laugh, but let's say for just a second that this thing we're looking at is in fact a time machine, where the heck did you get a time machine? <laughs> okay, okay, yes, that is a very good question, Abby, but I can't answer it. What? Uh, this is not real. Hold on, okay. Sorry, okay, hold on. I can't tell you where I got the machine, or even really how 
the mechanics of it all works. I can't tell you where the machine comes from because that's the proprietary part. There are only three prototypes in the world and I have two of them because I know the inventor. Know the inventor well enough to get two of them? Know the inventor like biblically. That's not the important part. I signed an NDA and everyone who knows about this class, so basically Dr. Scarf, Dr. Majak, Dr. O, and Dr. Riley Brown, and some other higher level admins had to also sign NDAs. And even though the patent is approved, um, I'd like to keep this a mercier secret for a little while longer. The inventor is considering expanding manufacturing and maybe even selling to other universities and museums and such, but for now, let's keep this just for us. So some inventor you know made a real honest-to-God time machine. I mean, no, but if that's the easy way for you to grasp it, then yes, yes, the inventor built a time machine, and we get to use it in this class. as I can, as I'm allowed to, uh, one at a time. Craig, go ahead. Okay. So can we look at, the, at like the ancient Greeks at the Acropolis? Not from this classroom. It's spatially fixed. You'd have to be in Greece at the Acropolis to be able to turn the dial to 83 BCE or whatever and, and see what's going on there. Uh, Alex. How does it work? In terms of function, it's pretty simple. You manipulate the temporal movement that you want to see with these little dials and it runs on, um, well I actually can't tell you what powers the machine because that's part of my NDA, but you know, even if I could tell you those details, I couldn't actually tell you because I'm a historian and I don't understand coding and quantum physics and software or even like math. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bill. Can the people who just walked by the window, can, can they see us? Uh, no, uh, this is a one-way window. They can't see us or hear us, uh, but we can see and, and hear them. So if we turn this dial back to May 1st, 1886, and then flip on this switch, we will hear and see the hill that Mercyhurst is built on now, but in 1886 in its sort of undeveloped glory. Wow, that's eerie in 1886. You can see the lake from here. Even the tall ships. And what's so weird about old me? There's so many more trees. Yeah, and you're pointing out some important reference points. Uh, Erie's landscape has changed enormously over time. The modes of transportation and demographics and the kinds of houses that people lived in, these are the kinds of details that are harder to, to discern from written accounts or even still images. But with this machine, we can look a bit more closely at and listen to the past. So how are we going to use this time machine that isn't a time machine? <laughs> As you can see from the syllabus, and yes, just like all classes, the answers are on the syllabus. This course will be focused on local history. We will take field trips around Mercyhurst, Erie, and the drivable region to conduct observational research of the past using the window.
We'll use the window to see what life was like in the past and then write papers. Oh, pretty much. Um, you all will actually shape the history that we explore in the class. You'll pick the topics and the places and the time periods that we observe. Before we can go out into the field, though, you'll each need to do some upfront primary and secondary source research. So, uh, and please excuse the sharp pivot here. Um, what is a secondary source? A secondary source is one step removed from a primary source and usually involves some sort of interpretation or analysis. They rely on primary sources to piece together history. Yes, yes, perfect. Thanks, Jacqueline. And as always, I want you to use peer-reviewed academic secondary sources, which you can access through our library. In the syllabus is a list of possible research topics, uh, but if you'd like to research something that's not on that list, just clear it with me. Uh, for these first two weeks of class, you'll need to do some intensive researching of your selected topic. Ultimately, since we're going for sort of a public history vibe with this, um, you will produce a podcast episode for about your research project, which we will then release on the Herstories podcast feed that I host. So will there be any exams? Nope. For the first third of the semester, you'll work on gathering information about your selected topic, and then we'll meet here in class to discuss how to be a historian and cultivate those skills. In the middle third, we'll go on small group field trips to various locations to use the window. And in the last third, you'll produce your podcast episode. What other questions do you have for me? A lot, but I'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole thing. <laughs> so can we like record the sounds that come out of the window? Yeah, I, I mean, you won't be able to, allowed to like use that audio in anything that we publish. Uh, like the podcast, but you can definitely record what we hear to use as a reference point. Um, no photography or video, unfortunately, because that violates the NDA that you've already signed. Okay. If you don't have any more questions, for now, take a look at the syllabus. Let's decide who wants to do what topic so you can spend the weekend doing a cursory investigation of your subject. That is not what I expected the secret to be. Me either. Do you think it's real? I, I don't know. It seems crazy, right? Yes. There's no way, right? No way. But it looked kind of real. It could be an edited video and a fancy portable screen, right? I mean, I believe Dr. Earls has many skills, but that just seemed more than some doctored archival footage. That camera angle looked just like you'd expect it to if you were standing here and looking at Mercyhurst from this angle. But it wasn't a photo, it was... The people were moving! So weird. Who knows? Either way, it could be fun. Field trips, podcasts... Maybe a real time-traveling machine? <laughs> Maybe. Definitely not a typical history class. <laughs> so, what topics are you all thinking of doing? want to know more about the May Day celebrations. I've walked by that photo in the old main hallway a million times, but never thought about how it really worked. Now I want to know more. What about you? Maybe that's bullshit, so even just a quick hack. You know how Dr. Scott takes students out every summer and exploring Brick Niagara, but then how cool would it be to see the original Brick Niagara? Are you still recording?
Oh, yeah. 